Good morning, everybody, and welcome to Nun Talks. Uh, excited to be here today. It's uh, Friday, December 15th, so we're running quickly into the holiday, and the school year seems to be flying by. But I am really excited today to have Amanda Shaw with me. Um, and uh, Amanda is a, a kindergarten teacher. Actually, I'm in grade three. Oh, now. you're in grade I do literacy three. Literacy intervention in the morning oh, and okay. grade three in the afternoon. Oh, okay. So and my role's changed. Well, perfect. Um, and she's at Carson Elementary. And um, probably more importantly than all of that is that some, a lot of the work that Amanda's been doing in the area of literacy. And so um, a few years ago, we were introduced to a professor at the University of Alberta, um, Dr. George Giorgio, and we've done lots of work with him in Westwind, and we're excited for the work we've done, but it kind of opened doors to lots of opportunities in the area of early literacy and literacy intervention. And so um, I've invited um, Amanda to come and talk to us about some of the work she's done, and so we're going to kick off with something, some work she's done around what was called Raise a Reader, but really the conversation is going to go wherever Amanda wants it to take um, around literacy and the importance of early literacy. And so with that said, I'll turn it over to Amanda to tell us what she wants us to know. What and I'll ask any follow-up questions because okay. this is a, a piece that I think is super important. Awesome. Well, thanks, Austin, for having me. I'm kind of nervous, but hopefully we can <laughs> get a few thoughts out. No, you'll be so, fine. Literacy is something that I've always loved. I think it started when I first was asked to teach grade one, and I walked into the classroom and realized I had to teach kids to read, and I had no idea where to even begin. So that was kind of the beginning of my journey, and right now I'm taking my master's in special education um, ed psych at the U of A, learning awesome. about um, reading, writing, and oral language disabilities. So that's kind of my background. Um, but the more I study about developing readers, the more I realize the impact that the home environment really has and the impact of interactions at home with parents and how valuable putting our phones down and just engaging with our kids and talking with our kids, that background knowledge that it creates for the kids to have something to connect to when we teach them to read and write is so critical. If they don't understand the basics of even talking and listening and following directions and that interaction, learning to read and write really doesn't matter because they don't understand it. And so as parents and even educators having that understanding of what language is and what we're communicating is kind of that key. So in the Raise a Reader series, that's why that's my number one tip is talk with your kids, put your phones down, talk with them. And I think that's really important social emotionally too. Psychology, they're finding kids think our phones are more important than they are. And that's kind of a scary, humbling thought when we look at how much our phones are in our hands. Yeah, I know the, um, oh, now I'm going to forget uh, the brain story. Mm -hmm. um, talks a lot about uh, that piece of uh, serve and return. Absolutely. And so it uh, ties right into that face-to-face, uh, -face, um, social interaction, words, uh, how to form words with your mouth and all of that. So just uh, maybe expand just a little bit on that if you can, Amanda, that zero to three or even zero to four, kind of that preschool. What are some just maybe your top three tips mm -hmm. for building readers 
um, as parents um, or those that interact with with that age group zero to th zero to three zero to four what are yeah. maybe some of your top three tips that you would say this is the best things you can do to, to support the building a reader yeah absolutely that zero to three zero to four are those critical years because the brain is developing so much right then and it's deciding what information to keep and what information to get rid of. So those are really key years that we don't even see them in the school system really. So parents, you are the number one teachers and some key things that you can do in talking with your children is getting that eye contact. A lot of kids don't make eye contact anymore. Mm -hmm. You know, having that undivided attention to help them. And when we're talking with our little kids, lots of times they make speech mistakes and they're absolutely adorable. And as parents, we know what they mean. But actually correctly pronouncing those words is so key as it relates to reading and later writing because they're developing the ability to hear those sounds. Take a video of it, cherish that moment of being so adorable, <laughs> but then model back what the proper pronunciation is in a sentence, right? So if they mispronounce a word and you know what it is, I can't think of one off the top of my head, Baba, yeah, that's your Baba oh, it's your bottle, and so they hear it actually formed correctly okay. and, and, and giving that back to them. Another really great idea, I am a really structured parent, I don't do creative play very well, um, is just sitting down and playing with your kids, playing card games, because that was where my brain went, because I'm so structured. So I'd play board games, play card games with my kids, and it's really great social, emotional, and those executive function skills development, teaching the kids to think flexibly, being able to change their ideas, um, take turns, win, lose graciously, the vocabulary that goes along with all of that. Those are really great things. And if you are a creative parent, awesome, good for you. Sit down and play toys with your kids. Um, the vocabulary and background development is so, so critical at that age that they develop that so that when they're reading in schools, they have opportunities and experiences to hook what they're reading in and understand, to be able to connect what they're reading with real life things. Awesome, thank you. So I, I think in your first uh, one of these, um, almost a year ago, is that January? Or are these coming out this January? For the Razor Reader, yeah, they yeah. started in September. Started in September, yes. so we're we're coming into the December January one, and and um, you know there's lots of topics in there. What what topic out of all the topics that you have listed, and and these uh, these will be are rolling out on our social media. They're also available on our website. But what of all the topics you have in there, what are some of the ones that really stand out to you in the sense of you know you have letter sounds and and talk about reading building vocabulary um, what are what are some of the things that really stand out to you as um, I wish I would have known as a parent yeah <laughs> um, to build better readers right um, I think something that goes underutilized a lot is just that importance of doing things with your kids and talking with them making sure they know you're number one in my life right now building that self-confidence because if they've got that self-confidence they will try anything at school even if it's hard they've got more perseverance to keep going keep trying and have that belief in themselves that at home I'm good enough at school I'm good enough I can do this even when it's hard it just it changes everything 
And it also helps them when we've had lots of life experiences to connect. And so it's way easier to get lost in a book because I understand it. Oh, awesome. Now, um, in the introduction, you talked a little bit about reading intervention mm -hmm. and, uh, the, and what that looks like. And, and uh, we, we all know that intervention early is important. So um, what are some of those skills around intervention that as a parent mm -hmm. or even as a teacher that I could, I could implement early and, and easy um, to help my student who might be behind in, in reading and, and struggling in that area? Good question. So I think there, for me, there's kind of two main things to get into reading to make it easy enough to want to do it. Um, and the first is high frequency words. Um, there's a list, there's lots of lists out there of like the 300 most common words used in children's books and just becoming automatic in those. So it doesn't take very much brain power that I can just roll those off quick without sounding them out every single time helps me be able to get into reading and understand it and be good at it quickly. Um, and it's interesting as I look at the 300 high frequency words, so many of them are decodable, meaning that one or two letters makes a predictable sound. Like TH usually says or it can be voiced or voiceless. So if they learn those, those sound associations and the predictability of it, they can decode anything and those high frequency words become automatic. And I've noticed a lot in my intervention role, kids often know that A says ah, but they don't know the other sounds so that they can flex it to keep trying. Okay. Particularly in words that are more than one syllable, one vowel is going to make a lazy sound. Usually a ah or an ih sound, like in about, we never say about, very often it's usually just about and letting kids be okay that oh that is a predictable sound I think that's where a lot of kids get frustrated is this is just too hard it doesn't make any sense English is stupid and so many teachers and parents agree that yeah it is so hard and yeah it is stupid which it is a difficult language because our letters don't exactly map to the sounds that they make perfectly but there is a high predictability of sounds they make. Um, so when I explain to kids that the reason why English is hard, it came from England, and if we look at the world map, how many countries are surrounding England, those languages all influenced English. And so when they had a word long, long time ago, they would have new things that they wanted a word for, they didn't have it. They'd borrow a French word for it, or the German word for it or another language word, and that's why English is more complicated because we have the influence of all of these words. So if we look at the history of where the word comes, comes from, it's actually quite predictable. And so that kind of gives kids a new chance of, oh, let's find those patterns. Well, why does the Y say I in this word? Oh, it came from, I think it's Greek? Oh, I can't remember. Anyways, okay. <laughs> there's a history, but in those words, they're usually scientific words, and the Y will make an I sound. So they become curious about that instead of frustrated. And when we can make the brain curious, it hangs on to information. When our brain's frustrated, it just shuts down, and it's harder to actually learn. And so I found that that's kind of empowering for kids to be like, oh, that's, that's why it came from this language. Like a lot of our... Um, our CH makes ch in English, 
And when it makes the sh sound, those words all come from France because the French army invaded England, and so they adopted a lot of those words. So the great part is in English, we have more words than most languages to express ourselves, but it does make our language more complicated because we kept their spellings. Wow, that's an awesome lesson to learn. I loved a couple things you said in there about the, the curious brain, and when we, our brains are curious, we become learners. And so um, just going back to a little bit of the, the role of a, a parent or anyone working with that zero to three, zero to four, and, and even beyond, is create that curiosity um, through reading, uh, through storytelling, um, and even just that idea of just going for a walk and talking with your child, putting the technology away and creating that piece of curiosity. So I, I loved that comment. And the other one is that idea of confidence. Um, and, and we know that um, probably the most difficult thing, well, a few of the most difficult things for the human brain are to learn to read Absolutely. and learn to write, and then combining those two things. So, so building confidence early in students uh, creates uh, um, that sense of success, which then, you know, I want to know more, so I work harder at it, or I find the patterns, or, or whatever that is. Um, one thing you said there is learning to write, and I just want to make one point that a lot I just learned recently is that when we teach kids to write, it transfers to reading, but teaching them to read does not transfer to writing. So that's kind of a big bang for your butt. We spend so much time teaching kids to read that if we'll back up a little bit and teach them to write, it actually has impact on their reading as well. That's awesome. So that's something really important to know, and a lot of these struggling readers um, they can't hear the difference in sounds that are really, really close. Like if you think about a B and a P, B and P, they're exactly the same, but one has a voice and one doesn't. So having these kids that are struggling to read, they often don't hear the sounds in words well. Having them to the ability to teach them how to use a second strategy, like looking in a mirror and talking about what your mouth, your tongue, your teeth, your lips feel like, so that they can see the difference of the sound or feel it because they can't hear it will help their writing as well. So that just kind of triggered a couple thoughts in me when you said no, that. No, that's awesome. And we could do a whole other <coughs> podcast about reading and writing. Um, you know, a, a couple of weeks ago for our professional development day, the secondary people had Kelly Gallagher and, uh, and obviously a well-known author and um, presenter about the importance of, of reading and writing. And I know the elementary um, had a session as well. And, and when we came away from that, at least um, for, for me on the secondary level, uh, realized the importance of combining those two things together. And so you can read about it, then write about it, and then, and then the, all of those connections are made in the brain and we think deeper and we become more creative and, and all of those um, pieces put together. So I think those are both important. So um, over the last three years, uh, we've done quite a bit of work on reading intervention. And I, I guess my question would be for you, Amanda, what do you know now that you didn't know before and what do you think is most vital that, that, um, that teachers or parents all take a good look at as we work to raise uh, good readers? What do I know? How do you sum up what you've learned in three years quickly? <laughs> yeah. I've learned so, so much. I think the number one thing that I've learned is how to scaffold students to be successful. 
So now I know those critical skills that each kid needs to be able to read and write. But if they can't do that, I know how to back up into smaller steps to help them get started. Um, and I think that that's the most important thing because it's not fair for me as the teacher to keep putting more pressure on the child who's struggling because that's only causing more frustration. But now I know how to back up my practice so that they can feel success and then incrementally make it more difficult till they get to the target that I need them to be at. And it's just so fun in intervention to see their belief in themselves come back, their excitement about trying. Um, and I, I've learned how to do that at a developmentally appropriate level for kids. So when they're in grade four and five and they're still not matching letters to sounds appropriately, I can challenge them at their level without them thinking that it's baby work and frustrating them or demeaning their belief in themselves. And I think that that's been really empowering for me and for the students that I work with. Awesome. So I'm going to ask you, and obviously we can't share names or anything yeah. like that, but I'd like to share kind of a success story that's impacted you. Because I think sometimes when we do this work, and and we're going through our our day um you know as as teachers we we put a lot into it and and so when we see those successes they have an impact not just on us but on a student because we know when a student can read they're more likely to be successful in the rest of their school work they're more likely to graduate they're more likely to go to post-secondary whether that's uh, in the trades or whether that's onto a university track um, and, and find success in relationships, all kinds of things come with the ability to learn to read. So, mm -hmm. so um, do you have a kind of a success story that had an impact on you and said, yeah. I'm gonna keep working hard on this? Absolutely. I mean, it's fun being an intervention. I get to work with this, something that's hard for kids all day, every day, and it's so fun when they want to be there that's when I feel like I've done my job. Like, when is my turn? Or when I change my intervention groups, why, why can't I come anymore? Um, but it's been really fun to watch how academics and behavior are so connected. Once they're doing better at reading and writing, their confidence grows and their behaviors, positive behaviors often increase in the classroom. So that's been really exciting to watch that kind of transformation happen. Um, the one child I'm thinking of came and was pretty frustrated and shut down when he first started coming with me. And as we learned the predictable sounds that letters can make, just not the one sound, but that, you know, like T can make a D sound when it's between two vowels, or it can make CH like in picture. He learned the four sounds that a T can actually make in different situations. And then we started applying it to multisyllabic words, really long words, but step by step breaking it down. And so every day we'd, I'd give them, a, I called it my challenge words. You know, I'd say, are there any common beginnings or endings? Chop those off. Underline every vowel, and each syllable has at least one vowel. And he'd divide the word into a syllable, and slowly, meticulously, every day would sound out each syllable, blend the syllable, then would blend all the syllables together and he'd get the word. Every single day for weeks on end we did this. And at the end, I always wrote the word on the whiteboard for him and we'd go through analyzing it to decode it. 
And at the end, he's like, you're cheating. You're making this too easy. You're putting spaces between the syllables so that I get it. <laughs> and I'm like, no, I'm actually not. And just that confidence and they're reading those words just fluently because their brain knows the steps. It's internalized the steps that they didn't have to think about. Where's the vowels? Where's the syllables? It just chunked it and they kept reading in context, in a sentence. And it was so fun to be like, I'm not cheating. Your brain has figured this out. Awesome. So I, I just love that light bulb, that yeah. self-belief, confidence, whatever you want to call it. It's life-changing for them. Awesome. Well, thank you very much. Um, anything you want to say that you haven't been able to say that I don't want to miss oh, or goodness. around the importance yeah. of raising good readers and, and just the work we can do in that area? I think just be patient with them and help. If they can't do it, what can we do to make their job easier? Because we have lots and lots of resources that we can scaffold them to be successful, but I think too often we're too quick to be like, just read it. They don't have the skills to read it, that we need to just be patient with that and help build those skills awesome. in a fun way, yeah. you know? Well, I just uh, appreciate your time. And, and one of the um, things that I'm thinking about as we maybe head into the holiday is what an what a awesome gift to give to kids is the ability to read. And so as parents, as grandparents, as older siblings, whatever it is, um, and our relationship to uh, readers is to help them develop the skills. And so uh, put away the technology have those face-to-face -face interactions, uh, read books with them, uh, help them discover the patterns and the joy of it, and then um, it contributes to academic success, um, social-emotional success, um, self-regulation, the, the long list of things that come from the benefit of being able to be a good reader. So I appreciate you being here with us today. Um, we'll put a link to all of the uh, Raise the Reader parent videos. Um, in the show notes so that people can go to them and watch them. And um, if you have any questions about uh, early literacy and literacy intervention and any of that, I'd just invite anyone to reach out to their um, classroom teachers, their uh, school administration, and uh, know that uh, that's a commitment that we've made and that we're working hard on in Westwind and individual teachers are as well. So thank you for coming uh, and visiting with me today. Thanks so much for having me, Austin.